Well, as we are together again, we wanted to bring an emphasis upon what it means and the importance of being planted together. We started talking last week about this, that we're looking at the study of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesus, and what does God say about being planted together as the church? We are God's people. We make up the church together, and we need each other in community. And if Ephesus is an interesting church. Paul writes this letter to Ephesians, one of the only letters that he writes that he doesn't offer a point of correction probably because he didn't know the congregation yet. He hadn't met them. The Bible says that when he wrote to them, he says, I have heard of your faith. So he had heard of things that were happening in Ephesus. So he writes a letter to them to bring encouragement, to bring strength to them, and to also kind of maybe in a way extend some hospitality or an invitation to the greater body of Christ. And so we started talking about how really the theme in Ephesus is being a a spiritual formation in community. And Ephesians is an inside look at what is beneath and behind and within the church that we do see wherever and whenever it becomes visible. It teaches us about spiritual formation in community. Let's talk about that for a moment. Spiritual formation in community. While the Bible encourages us to be formed in our own individual sense through prayer, through Bible reading and fasting and other disciplines of the faith, the Bible also strongly encourages spiritual formation that comes from being in community. And we're going to talk about that today. And that's why we've been doing this called Planted Together. Because whether you like somebody or not doesn't change the fact that we as God's people have been brought together in this body the church of Jesus Christ to grow together. We need each other in this. And so we're going to continue looking at this. Last week we talked about from death to life, that we are community of life. We discovered that it is the resurrection power of Christ that is working in us to help us grow into maturity. We are, as we talked last week, a community of life in the world of death. A community of life in the world of death. And, you know, growth is a sign of life, right? When last year I decided that, um, Marisa and I decided that we were going to plant some plants in our, in our garden. We had a little balcony garden and decided that we were going to plant some tomatoes and peppers. And those tomatoes grew and grew. That plant grew and grew. But eventually it just kept growing, but there were no plants. And there were no tomatoes on it, rather. And it showed us that what happened. I, and I discovered later on that I went about the process all wrong myself. But anyways, the peppers grew, and we had jalapenos for days. But it was a sign that there is life. And if it didn't grow, the life of that plant would be questionable, right? We would wonder, is something wrong? Is Maybe I need to add some fertilizer to it, some water. Maybe it needs some more sunlight. We go through all the questions, right, of what happened. And maybe you don't really have a green thumb, and you wonder, maybe I just need to get a fake plant to look at it. Maybe it makes me feel like it's good. But growth is a sign of life. And God wants us to mature as believers together in the body. We're supposed to grow. We need growth in our lives continually every day as believers. But sometimes growth is uncomfortable. 
Sometimes growth is challenging. Sometimes growing up is hard. Sometimes it means we do away with some old practices and we develop some new practices. It's probably a good thing that when we grow up, we don't drink from a bottle anymore. That would look strange in public, right? Growing up requires some change, and that's the hard part for us sometimes. I remember as a kid, one of the hardest parts of growing up for me was I would have terrible leg cramps, and it was part of what we call growing pains, right? Every night I would wake up and this terrible cramps in my legs of just bothering me as a kid. But it was a sign of growth. Even though it was uncomfortable, it was a sign that I was actually growing. And we need that in the body of Christ. We need growth. And that is Paul's emphasis in this letter to Ephesus. It's he's trying to help them see, I want you to grow. Just keep growing, mature into the body of Christ. And so let's read this verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, as Paul tells them. But speaking the truth and love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We must grow up. That's the first emphasis here. As believers, we must grow Let's pause here for a moment. Oftentimes what happens in the faith is many times people will have this great salvation experience. They will come to know the Lord. They will surrender their life to Christ, but they kind of plateau there. They stop. I, I know Jesus, but they stop there. But God doesn't want that. God's will for our life is to grow, to be all that he has wanted us to be. So we must grow up. The scripture goes on to say, Into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. So as we are joined and knit together, it helps bring about growth to the rest of the body. We bring growth to each other in our community as we grow. And that is what we're going to look at today. And this morning, we're going to talk about planted together a dwelling place for God. So let's go look at Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you can read along with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Maybe you want to circle some things. I will tell you this, that if you really like to study the Bible, Ephesians is a great letter to study because he uses a lot of similar language throughout the whole letter and you get some great themes from here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he is our peace, and in his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that reconcile both groups to one in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were, who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. We'll pause there for a moment, give you a little context of what Paul is talking about. He's talking to a group of people who are comprised of Gentiles and Jews. And so what he's trying to tell them, the Gentiles were the non-Jewish believers. And he's trying to show them that now it's not just the Jews anymore who have access. It is open to the entire world. Gentiles as well. And so when he's telling them this, he's telling them that the wall has been torn down between them. And there has been an ongoing discussion throughout the New Testament about the things that separated them. But he went in to go and tell them that wall, Jesus tore that down. 
You're one now. You've been made into what he says, one new humanity in place of the two. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. You know, that alone is one of the greatest benefits to being connected in a community like like this body of believers here, the church, is you're not a stranger. You're not an alien anymore. You are a part of the household of God. We live like a family together. And that is the way God has intended it to be, is that we could be a family system that support each other and love each other. You know, it's kind of like that crazy uncle that you have. He doesn't always get along with them, but you love them anyways. He's a part of your family. That's the way we are together. God has called us to love each other regardless. And, you know, that's the truth is some people oftentimes will hold to bloodlines over anything. In the family of God, we are connected together. And we're going to see about that in a few moments. We're a household of God. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. And this is the, really the verse we're going to look at today is that we have been joined together and grow into a holy temple and built together spiritually a dwelling place for God. To give us a little bit more context for all of this scripture here, we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament and look at this amazing scripture. If you remember, God gave the command to Moses, wanted you to build a tabernacle, and that would be the place where God's glory would dwell in the wilderness. Even though God was with them a cloud by day and a fire by night, but now his presence was going to be in the middle of that tabernacle. But then God began to put it in David's heart that David was beginning to orchestrate the buildings of a permanent temple, the place where God's glory would dwell. A beautiful place, but God wouldn't let David complete it. It would be Solomon who would ultimately complete it. And it's a beautiful story how Solomon really stretches across the earth to other nations. He reaches out to King Hiram, among others, and gathers all of the resources that he needs to build this beautiful, majestic temple covered in gold and beautiful gemstones in Jerusalem. It was going to be a lovely place, a beautiful place. And as the Bible says, you want really some great material to put you to sleep, you can go and read Second Chronicles and see all of the materials. You get this material, this material, and it's detail by detail. It's like reading an instruction manual. It's really hard to stay focused. But it's so important and doesn't negate why it's in Scripture that each piece shows us God's detailed plan for building the temple and why it was necessary. All of those pieces come together to establish God's temple, the place where he would dwell. And finally, as they got towards the end of the building, the Ark of the Covenant had been built, the place where God's presence would come and reside over, and the glory of the Lord would begin to come into the temple. And Second Chronicles 5 tells us this, that it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And they had trumpets, they had cymbals, and they began to sing the song of the psalmist that says, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And the Bible says that as they began to worship, their 
instruments, the cymbals, all of it working together, that the house was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Can you imagine that moment? There is that temple and all of the sudden God's glory just comes in a powerful and mighty way and fills that temple. It's a picture of what was to come for the church. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So keep that image in mind as we talk about what God is calling us to be in this dwelling place for God. First off, we're going to see this, is that God calls us as a dwelling place for God to worship together. To worship together. Paul tells the church at Ephesus that he tore down the dividing wall. In meaning that it doesn't matter the cultural background. It doesn't matter what, where you, how you grew up or where you came from or what you look like. In the kingdom of God, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he tore down the wall of hostility and he proclaimed peace. And the one thing that draws us together isn't our differences, it isn't what separates us, it's Jesus Christ. And when we worship the Lord, what we're doing is we're getting all on the same purpose. We're all on the same page, so to speak. And when we come together to worship, we're gathering for the sake of Jesus. So when we're all looking at Jesus, we're drawing closer to Him together. There is no division among us because we're unified in our purpose. And that's what God intended for us. That maturity develops in worship as we develop in friendship with the friends of God, not just our preferred friends. Worship shapes us not only individually, but as a community, as a church. Worship is great. Personally, We need personal worship. Driving down the road, at work, singing a song and worshiping, we need that. But just as much as we need it personally, we also need it in community. God has designed this gathering right here today for the purposes of his kingdom, worshiping together. When we worship together, when we lift our hands, when we sing a song, when we pray together, however we might worship, it edifies the community. What does that mean? It goes back to that scripture that we read earlier. It, we're built together and it promotes the body's growth. When you are strong and you can praise the Lord, it gives encouragement to others to praise the Lord. But it also establishes the purpose for why we are gathered. We're not just gathered to sing songs. We're not just gathered for an, an entertainment experience or just some motivational speaking. We are gathered to worship Jesus. That is why we have a dedicated service on Sundays. Not because it's the culturally appropriate thing to do, but because the Bible instructs us to worship together and we see that that he has broken down the dividing wall and we grow into maturity think about the temple for a moment imagine if the temple was just the trumpets or imagine if the temple was just a wall or just a chair in the temple or just a curtain 
The temple was not complete unless all of the components were working together. Each of them had their place. As boring as it may have been, each of them had their designed placement in the temple to establish the place where God's glory and presence could dwell. And this is the picture of the church, that all of us have our place. It's the complete picture of worship when all of the pieces are working together in their right placement to bring honor to the Lord. When God sanctioned the building of the temple, he didn't point out just any one element, but he designed every piece to work together. And that's the way God has intended it for us to be today. All of us working together. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. God took the church of Israel, and it was the church just for the Israelites. And what he did in the New Testament is now it's the church of all nations. He took down the wall of hostility and opened it up. And that's why we can gather together, and you can speak a different language. You can come from a different background. It doesn't matter. Now it is the church of Jesus Christ of all nations. And when you and I stand before the throne of God one day, what is going to be at God? God's throne is every tribe, every nation, every culture, and it's going to be the most beautiful sight I think we've ever seen when we gather before him. I also love how you see in this Old Testament, you see in the Hebrew language being spoken, there's Solomon declaring his blessings over the temple. And then you get into the New Testament. And in Acts chapter 2, the people begin to speak in all of the languages of every country gathered as a way of signifying that God's glory is going to all of the earth. We are called to worship together, even a multicultural, multinational gathering. That is what God has designed his church to be. And we especially feel that calling here at All Nations Church being that it's in our name to be a church for all nations. We worship together. The second thing you're going to see in Ephesus is that there is worship in the atmosphere of transformation. Worship in the atmosphere of transformation. Paul said this to them in Ephesus. He says that the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. How many of you have ever seen a brick grow? Nobody, right? We don't see bricks grow. It's an inanimate object. It doesn't have any life. There's nothing about a brick that can grow. And it's interesting that Paul uses language here to add life to something that is inanimate. He says, grows into a holy temple for the Lord. Speaking of this temple reference in the Old Testament, but now speaking to the image of us as God's people, as temples who make up the temple of God. We grow through God's presence. Think about in the Old Testament, in the beginning, there's Adam. And God created Adam from the dust of the ground. And Adam was just a corpse laying there. But until God breathed his life into him, then Adam came alive. Like we were singing this morning in Ezekiel 37, he sees this image of an, a valley of dry bones. It was just a bunch of dry bones. But when God's spirit came upon them, he says, prophesy to the winds, Ezekiel. Tell them to come from the north, the south, the east, the east and the west and come upon them. And, but when the spirit of God came upon them, they came alive. You see, it's the presence of God that brings life. Like we talked about last week, it comes from that resurrection power that it's not bricks that grow, it's the presence of God that brings life. And oftentimes, it's been said that we worship, we've come into worship, and worship isn't intended to make anything happen. 
We come into the atmosphere of worship and we think that we're going to make something happen. But the truth is, is that worship brings us into a presence in which God makes something happen. It doesn't matter how loud you sing, how good you clap your hands on beat. None of that matters. It's the presence of God which when he comes can make something happen. It's God bringing us alive in the atmosphere of transformation. It's that temple that was in the Old Testament without the presence of God. Imagine if they had just built that temple and stopped. All it would have been was a building without God's spirit. It would have just been sitting on a hill over there. But it wasn't until God's presence came in the cloud and filled that temple that it came to life for its true purpose. And that's the way you and I are. Without God's spirit, we're just, we're just a building. We're just a place of nothingness. But when God's spirit comes into us, it brings life and it's worship in the atmosphere of transformation. Really what we do when we worship is it's like when people in the Old Testament gathered, when a king was coming. They, they would go outside of the walls of the city and they would begin to clap their hands. They would sing songs. They would blow their trumpets and they would make this loud noise that the king has arrived. And really what it did was it made the path wet, this path straight for the king coming into the town and it set the atmosphere for the arrival of the king and that's what you and I do when we come in together to worship what we're doing is we're welcoming the king and we're saying that to the unbeliever that might be among us or to the discouraged believer that might be among us that the presence of the king is here and he can do the impossible he can transform even right now it's the welcoming of the king. We worship in the atmosphere of transformation. I love this image of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. Here's Jesus going about his business, doing signs and wonders and miracles, as he always does. But Jesus had a way, if you look at the New Testament, he had a way of just getting under the Pharisees' skins just the right way. And he decided to walk into the synagogue on the Sabbath and do a miracle. Not only did he perform a miracle on the Sabbath, but he went into the synagogue to do it just as a way to point it out right in front of their face. And what happened was there was this man there who had a withered hand. And Jesus looked at him and told him, stretch out your hand. And the man's hand became whole again in the presence of all of those in, the Pharisee, in, that, in that synagogue. And really what Jesus was demonstrating to them was that where his presence is, if you are troubled, that he brings transformation. They had made the synagogue a place where burdens were put on people's shoulders, a place of division. But what Jesus wanted to show them was that his house was intended to be a place of transformation where sick can come in and they're made whole again. Whereas Paul says in Ephesus that together they are spiritually built up. And that's what God desires here even now among us. We don't just come into a service, but God desires to enact transformation in community. That when I come into the presence of God and I'm discouraged and I've had a bad week and I've faced a lot of obstacles, I can gather with the believers and we begin to welcome the presence of the one who can transform your life and my life. And there's nothing more encouraging than that. I want to just show you an example of that. Years ago, I remember... I visited All Nations Church for the first time years ago. And I remember that when I came, oh, how discouraged I was. 
But of course, nobody knew that. How struggling I was, but nobody knew that. But I remember when I gathered with the believers, I remember I was sitting right there, and how the people began to worship. I began to worship. The choir began to worship. And you know what happened was, is that I noticed that God took my trouble and he transformed it into his, for his glory. And I noticed that a discouraged soul that I had became an encouraged soul because I realized that it didn't matter how discouraged I was or what I was facing, that in the presence of the king, the impossible is made possible and God could lift me up from my place that I was in. And that was proof to me ever since that in the presence of worship, it is the absolute atmosphere of transformation. You can come in one way and leave another. It's not because of this building. It's nothing special about it, but it's in the atmosphere of the believers when we begin to worship and welcome the king and say the king is really among us. It's the picture of 1 Corinthians 14. And Paul's telling the church, he says, don't do the signs this way. He says, let them happen in this way. And when you begin to see the the gifts of the Spirit at work among you, the unbeliever could come in and say, surely there is a God among you. And that's the goal of why we gather, is that even people, discouraged, disbeliever, can come in and say, no, God is in this place. I want to be transformed. I want to be made new. I want to experience, like we talked last week, that resurrection power. There's worship in the atmosphere of transformation. And finally, we see this that we are called to worship in the presence of God. We worship together. We worship in transformation. And we worship in the presence of God. I love how Paul tells them this, that you're built together into a dwelling place for God. That speaks to me. And I remember reading that a few weeks ago, and that just popped off the pages into me. A dwelling place for God? What do you mean, Lord? A dwelling place for God. I'm intended to be the home where you live? No, 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 that can't be. I'm nothing. But how God's word reminds us here, even now, that you and I are intended to be the place where God's presence can live. And you know what? That is the greatest news our earth could ever hear, is that there are people all over the earth who are bearing the presence of God with them. Jesus thought it so much so that his name was Emmanuel, God with us. And he never wanted us to get the idea that he left us. So he told the disciples, I'm going to promise promise you something right here. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send my spirit with you. And he's going to be with you because he wanted the disciples to see, yeah, I'm going to send, but God is still going to be here right now with you. And it ought to be a great reminder to us today that we live in a world that though we cannot see God, he is still dwelling inside of you and I as the believer. I love the picture of Luke chapter one and two. If you know the Bible, you know Luke wrote the book of Luke, obviously, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And really what Luke does is he tells a parallel story. In Luke chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, we see the birth of Jesus Christ. The, the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus. He's going to be the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And you're going to give birth to this son. And then in Acts chapter 1 and 2, we see once again people waiting for something to come. And we see the Holy Spirit come upon the church. The first conception gave us Jesus. The second conception gave us the church of Jesus Christ. And what I love about the picture is, is there is Mary. Young, unlikely, not glamorous 
poor, living in a bad situation. She was being humiliated because of this pregnancy. Everything was impossible about that situation. But those are the verses where God speaks up and says that with God, nothing is impossible. But then the same thing happens in Acts chapter 1 and 2. The most unlikely, the least qualified disciples are gathered in an upper room. They have nothing glamorous about them. They are discouraged. They're down. They're troubled. But yet God's spirit comes upon them and gives birth to the church. And really we see this, that it's worship in the presence of God, that it's when the spirit of God came is when their purpose came forward, that they became this place for God's glory to dwell. We can't forget this here today. This is so important, that the marker of God's church, the marker of the church of Jesus Christ, the marker of all nations' church and any other church in the world is God's presence. Otherwise, it's just a building. Otherwise, it's just some type of gathering that has no purpose. But when God's presence is among us, then we become the dwelling place for God. Then we become the place like in the temple. You see, there was the temple and it was one temple and God's glory came in the temple. But now the Bible tells us that the God's glory has come and filled our hearts, filled us with His Spirit. And now the Bible says His glory covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. And isn't that exciting that God transformed a one location presence and now has spread His glory across the earth through you and I. When the glory of the Lord left the temple, it was just a building. But when the glory of the Lord was present, it was the dwelling place for God. And it's the same in our lives. Without God's Spirit, we're just a body with no purpose. But when God's Spirit comes upon us, we're the dwelling place for God. And don't you ever underestimate what that means for you and I. It's that resurrection power we talked about last week. It's the resurrection power that brought the early church to life. There they were. It gave birth to them. Signs and wonders in their midst. Lives transformed. The Bible says that on that day alone, when they gave birth to the church, 3,000 were added to their number because of how God's Spirit came and took life and put it into bones. Really, Acts chapter 2 is the picture of Ezekiel 37, a bunch of dry bones laying in the valley, but the Spirit came and brought them alive. And it's what God wants to do here this morning in your life, in my life, is that we could be a dwelling place for God. Listen, Charlie is nothing. You and I, we're just made from the dust of the ground, but God's Spirit, oh, gives us life resuscitates us, brings us into purpose again, gives us the new meaning that we need, but also enables us as a community to be planted together, that we're not just worshiping for nothing, we're worshiping in the presence of God. Listen, you could go read the New Testament. When Jesus walked on the streets, people ran to his presence. People walked into his presence, they were healed. People walked into his presence like Mary Magdalene that was possessed by a multitude of demons. She was completely set free. Jesus walked down the street and they walked into his presence. Eyes came open. The dead came to life. I'm telling you, when we get this down in our hearts and our minds, what happens here will be uncontrollable. Because in the presence of God, it is the dwelling place for God himself. And is it not true if God is in our midst that he would not do signs, wonders, miracles, and power? That's why Jesus told the church, signs and wonders will follow them that believe. Because you and I are the dwelling place for God. To do miracles, to do great things, to make his glory known into all the earth. I want to see God work here. 
God chose the most unlikely. That doesn't mean anybody in here is exempt. He can do the same for you and I. Musicians are going to come. We are a dwelling place of God. And just like the glory of the Lord filled the house, that temple, that's what God wants to do here even now, so that the glory of the Lord would fill our hearts, our minds, overflow us. I'm reminded of an image in Genesis. And here's Jacob. Jacob's going about his life, doing what God called him to do. But one day he gets to a place and he has this vision. The Bible says that he saw a ladder that was reaching up to heaven. And he said he saw on it angels ascending and descending upon it. And it so excited Jacob. He was so moved by what he saw that he took a rock. And he put a rock in that place. And he marked it. And he says, this today, this mark is a marker. This rock is a marker. That this is El Bethel, the house of God. And what Jacob did was he poured oil on it to symbolize his, the anointing upon that place, to mark that place and signify that this was the place where God's presence has come. And you know, that image is so interesting because God has done the same thing for the church today. That when we go anywhere in the earth, that people look at us as the church or they ought to look at us as the church and see God's oil poured upon us, His Spirit poured upon us, and it's the marker that that is the household of God. That is the place of the temple of the Lord where God's glory dwells among the believers. This building has no meaning. It's you and I. And what God is continuing to do is to pour His Spirit out upon us, to take us from where we used to be troubled, bothered, maybe hurting and transformed. And I'm so grateful today, I don't have to go to El Bethel. I can lift up my hands in the presence of the believers and I can right now experience the presence of God and encounter Jesus, the living God. Would you stand with me today? Close your eyes with me for a moment. Maybe you came this morning discouraged like I did some years ago. Maybe you're like that man in the temple, in the synagogue, with a withered hand. You've, you're troubled. You're bothered. You're discouraged. Maybe you're here and you don't even know Jesus. You've tasted a little bit of this presence I'm talking about, a dwelling place for God. Remember what we said, worship is the atmosphere for transformation. And if any man is in Christ, the Bible says he is a new creation. The old has passed away and all things have become new. This morning, if you're troubled today, you're discouraged, I wanna encourage you as the choir is gonna come and sing, lift up your hands, Glorify the Lord. Welcome the presence of the one who does the impossible. Maybe you've had a bad week. Maybe some things have come up that have really bothered you. Or you're going through a season of life that is really disturbing. I want to encourage you today. Lift up your hands. 
call upon the one who when we worship in the presence of the community, there is transformation. Call upon his name, reach out to his presence. The truth is, if Jesus was here right now, we would be running for him. Why not do it now in his spirit? Then God himself is even among us. Reach for him, call for him. Jesus, we yearn for you today, Lord. God, I want to pray for those who maybe are troubled today. They're bothered in their soul, Lord. They're wrestling through some terrible situations, God. But I pray today that we might get in the presence of God. Lord, we're nothing without you, but when your spirit comes, you bring life to us. We become a dwelling place for God. And so, Lord, today I'm praying, bring life into us again, Father. Bring strength into us again, Lord. Lord, like Jacob poured oil on that rock, I pray, God, pour the oil of your spirit upon us today, Father. Lord, let signs and wonders follow them that believe, God. That's your word, Lord. I didn't make that up, Jesus. You said that, Father. So, Lord, we pray, let it be so today that in the presence of the King, in the presence of the healer, the way maker, the miracle worker, that we may witness transformation at its best, Lord. Father, help us to worship. Help us to sing a new song to you, Lord, to glorify you from our hearts, God. Maybe some will do it in silence, some will do it with their voice, some with their hands. However it is, Lord, may we worship you, Jesus. May you bless this community today, God, with your spirit. Mark us by your presence, God. Mark us by your spirit, Jesus. Lord, we thank you today, Father. We welcome you this morning today. Jesus, come this morning. Come on, church, call to him today. Yearn for him, long for him. Jesus, we want you. Let's inquire.